What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Whiskey Sessions. We are happy to join you for episode 21. We are now of legal drinking age. This is Ametz. What's up, B-Pimp? I'm taking full advantage of being of legal drinking age. Yes, me as well. You know what I have found, though? I have not been ID'd in a while, except for maybe at a grocery store. But even then, I don't think they try it anymore. I've been being called sir a lot recently, which has caused me to have a complex a little bit. I never used to get that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, what do you think about that? What At what age are you a sir? I feel like I shouldn't be a sir until I'm, like, 65. Do you expect to be knighted by the time well, you're yeah. 65? I mean, that's part of it. If I'm not, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my contributions to the world of pop culture have been so numerous that if I don't get knighted by some country, there's there's a problem. Yes. Well, and you have plenty of time to figure out who you would be knighted by. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Maybe I'll be knighted in Sweden. That is an excellent segue, because we definitely want to say hello to our fine fans in Sweden. There's a town called Skelleftaham, Sweden, where we have 20 listeners from that one town over the last <laughs> month, which I thank you, like, hello, Skelleftaham, Sweden. Do we know, but, is it possible that it could be one person who just can't get enough? I think, I think the stats I was looking at are unique listeners. Weird. So, not to get too far into it, like, I don't want to brag about how many listeners we have, but that's a, that's a, <laughs> a noticeable portion of our listeners over Sign- the last month. Significant portion. Yeah. And I'm, I love Sweden, so I was very excited when I saw that, but I was like, I wonder what it is about this one town where one, did one person hear it and go, you gotta hear these these American guys talking about whiskey. The podcast is called Whiskey Sessions. They only talk about whiskey a little bit, but then they've got these random lists, and then there's emails. It's great. Well, how high, when we had the episode where we talked about countries we haven't been to but would like to go to, do you know how high on your list that you had Sweden? I believe it was number two after Norway. I mean, that's that's pretty good. So maybe that's it. Maybe there was some kind of uh, search engine optimization Uh happening. No, it definitely could be. But, uh, yeah, we want to say hi to our good friends in Sweden. I think both of us would definitely like to take a visit at some point. I've heard Stockholm is really nice. And when I was checking it out on a map, I didn't realize just, like, what an island city it was. It seemed like it's composed entirely of, like, a million islands, which seems awesome to me. Yeah, that's amazing. I spent about, after the results of our recent election... Um, I spent possibly two hours one day researching how I could get into Sweden. Right. Um, To see if, like, my company, if I could transfer there, uh, how strict are their immigration requirements. It turns out very strict, so I kind of gave up on it. But um, I I was very interested in going there. Yeah. uh, My company is opening an office in Amsterdam, so maybe that's... uh... Not so far away. Uh, have you already put in to transfer there? <laughs> I haven't. Maybe I should. That would be amazing. Yeah. Then we would have a, a truly a global podcast. Yeah, I'm sick of this just, like, cross-country. Like, what is this? You, yeah, come on, amateur hour. You moved, what, 
back to the coast where you grew up. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's a damn shame. You should go to all the way to Nor- <laughs> or to Amsterdam. All the way. I'll just go back and forth between Norway and or uh, Sweden and uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. I think our, our the way we're gonna really gain listenership in that part of Europe is if we constantly confuse countries and cities and kind of intermingle them like we don't know the difference or care. I agree. I think that's. Yeah. I think we're already well on our way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're uh, we're we're glad to be expanding into Europe, and hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be branching off into Norway and maybe soon in Denmark, and my main hope, I don't know about yours, is to have a big listenership in Lithuania. Oh, yeah. Can we get Italy, too, so that both of our heritages are represented? I would, yes, without a doubt. Italy should be our goal. It would be great to even get some plays in Turkey, uh, where I was a couple of years ago, and I love that country. Maybe Mehmet Okura will listen. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the play into Turkey. Today on the podcast, my whiskey of choice is Wild Turkey. Oh, boy. And so I'm going to pour... I have a little mini bottle. I'm going to pour it into a a glass of ice that I have ready to go in my freezer that actually has a functional ice maker. Ooh, we have one now, too. Isn't it great? Yeah. I've had freezers that have ice makers, and I don't think... Out of all the times I've had ice makers, they've ever actually worked. And this one actually <laughs> works. So, yeah, ours just, ours just, yeah, I was extremely excited about that. Yeah. So if you don't know much about Wild Turkey, um, what I'm drinking is Wild Turkey 101 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So we're talking 101 proof. That's 50.5% alcohol, which is, I think, higher than normal wild turkey that's about six percent higher yeah so that that, that'll get me nice and good are we gonna be able to finish recording i don't know maybe i should have saved this for the end of the episode (laughs) but it's distilled by wild turkey distilling company in lawrenceburg kentucky so bottoms up down down the hatch Hmm. Is it gonna is it gonna get the boot? Okay, now I hate to do this because we've had so many whiskeys in a row that we've declared have been smooth. And if you don't know our system, basically we either say the whiskey is smooth or it gets the boot. But the problem with this is we apparently are maybe not that discerning in our tastes. And How every dare you? Ha, yeah, no, I know, but. Every whiskey we've had so far, we've declared as smooth. And I hate to do this because I thought I would... I picked Wild Turkey with the thought that I probably wouldn't like it all that much. But you know what? I don't dislike it. And so for that reason, I'm saying this whiskey's smooth. Oh my god. I know. I think what we need to do is change what we drink in this podcast... From, like, just being the whiskey sessions to the whiskey and Malort sessions. <laughs> I've never had that before, so knowing how this is going, I'll probably end up liking it, and then it'll ruin everything. Maybe. If you, well, if you find yourself in the city, 
Last I checked, Quenchers, the bar, uh, on Western and Fullerton in Chicago, did have $1 Malort shots. I don't know if I can go there. I believe Ron, my coworker who you've uh, performed music with, uh-huh. was a very unfairly treated at that establishment. Oh, and no. What happened? I think, uh, you know... I have never, Ron's last name has never been divulged, and I don't think I'll have a problem with me talking about this. Okay. But Ron Weasley, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, his, him, himself, which is the way, yeah, that's how English works, himself uh-huh. and his wife were there because he was performing with his band at Quenchers. Okay. And he made, he made, you know, what you could call a faux pas um, of bringing in some of his own beer in his as part of his gear to drink, uh, which granted I was a bouncer for years, that's something we frowned upon, but they yeah. reacted so ridiculously, they like kicked him out, then his wife was arguing with them, so they kicked her out, and then he said he got mad because they kicked his wife out, and he said, I'll leave, but you can't kick my wife out. <laughs> like he had this huge argument. Wow. Was that after they played? It was before they played. They were gonna play. They were gonna kick him out before the shit before the set. I have never heard of anything like that. Kicking know, them out crazy. before the set? Yeah. I was I'm, an overzealous bouncer. Wow. I mean, like, maybe that is a faux pas, but I've seen it happen a bunch of times. All you do is take the beer. Just be like, sorry, man, you can't bring that in. Or put it somewhere where they can't drink it and let them take it when they leave. You don't have to kick them out. Yeah, that's ridiculous. No, but I've so, definitely seen people, like, stick extra beers in their guitar case or whatever else. Yeah. It's only a problem when, like... You know, if somebody goes crazy and then you didn't serve them alcohol and they brought in their own and you can't monitor, like, you know, their intake because you don't have a bartender serving them, they're just, like, sneaking drinks, then that could become an issue. But you don't have to go crazy and kick out him and his wife, I mean, for crying out loud. No, and on top of that, it's if you are a venue and you're having a band play, you should be giving them free beer. Yeah. Some venues do, some don't, but for sure there's there's a quick way to avoid that. Serve them free beer for playing. It's like the least you could do. The musicians don't get paid very much. No, exactly. Plus his band, from from what he's told me, they were bringing like a relatively sizable crowd out. Oh, so sure. I mean, so that's like, they're basically doing the promotion for the bar. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. Like, give them some beer or let them bring in their whatever. It was probably like Miller Lite. Or so, they probably weren't bringing in, like, bottles of Everclear or something. You I know? know. What's, like, the big deal? Uh, we got your background. Yeah, that's a shame to hear. But there are plenty of Chicago bars that have Malort. So if you do want to try it, you don't have to do it at Quenchers. That's for sure. Okay. But we should get... I mean, speaking of music venues, we have a music-themed podcast today. We are doing... I guess you would call it the top five spine-tingliest moments in songs. So while it's a mouthful to say, I think people will know what we mean. It's those songs that, those parts of songs that just get your, they, they make your spine tingle. They really do. Like, it's not even that big of a stretch to say that, I don't think. That's the physical reaction that you have right. to those moments. Yeah, they do, they do something. They kind of bring you to that next level. They either, like, put you entirely in the song or they, like, just get you going in general. Or some of mine are just, like, 
I heard that moment in the song, and then for that whole album, I was like, this is the best album. Right. Because it, it gets you amped. Yes. So why don't we get into that? These are our top five spying tingliest moments in songs. More than four, less than six, it's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, what is your number five? Keeping in tune with our, you know, our quest to expand to Europe, um, I have a Norwegian band as my number five. Oh, I'm entry. sure you've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> the band is called Enslaved. Um, the song is called As Fire Swept Clean the Earth, and the album is Below the Lights, and it's from April 2003. They're a uh, black metal band, and the reason that I'm including this weirdly obscure, I mean, it's not really obscure to a lot of people that like that kind of music, but Mm -hmm. in general, it's obscure. Um, That song is because I'm a fan of that kind of music. I've listened to a lot of different, even just varieties of extreme metal. Um, And this one song, it's the opening song from the album. It's very unique among that type of music. So it's got, like, it's definitely heavy. There's no mistaking that it's black metal, but it's got this, like, sing-songy riff that drives the song. And it is... That's the part that makes it unique. It just... Immediately when you hear it, it sticks out. And it, like... That riff just always gets me. Every time I listen to that song, I'm just... It sucks me back in. I can't listen to that song and then not listen to that whole album. It's one of my favorite albums. Um, The... Uh, Grudel Jensen, I believe is his name, is the lead singer. He's the bassist, and his vocals in that song are also excellent. Oh, okay. And they've got this weird female, like, it's all, it sounds like maybe two female backing vocalists that do this um, kind of uh, chanting almost behind the chorus, and it's very haunting and weird. And the whole song just always has stuck in my head as a favorite of mine, so I, had, I wanted to put that on the list. That's, uh, yeah, like a good riff will, I don't know. That just, like, that'll carry you right through. Exactly. And it's unique because most heavy, most of this type of metal, it's just it's just pulverizing. Like, they're going for loud and distorted and heavy, but this has just got this, the tone of the guitar and the, just the way that they play this song. It keeps the heaviness and it, and it keeps the character of black metal, but it also is just melodic and very pleasing. Nice. All right, well, you'll be happy to know for my number five, I just switched it just now. Oh, boy. And I had to because it is the song that made me like hip-hop. As a a young, impressionable 13-year-old, I think, I, when I first heard this song, I went from liking majority rock to liking majority hip-hop, like, instantly. So the song is Rosa Parks by Outkast. And the moment, it's kind of two parts. And it's why I didn't initially include it as my number five, but decided that together that they, they had to be included as my number five moments. It's the line said, baby boy, you're only funky as your last cut, which I think is just like, I don't know, it actually spoke to me as like something that I understood at that age. And then the the country breakdown that happens oh, yeah. during the bridge. Which is was another thing I'd like never heard in a hip hop song. And that I thought was just like perfect. 
So that has supplanted my number five. And That's now, such a good choice because as soon as you said that, I heard it in my head immediately. Yeah. Like exactly what you're talking about. No, I love that song. And that's what really first turned me on to hip hop. So I got to put it there. And I would be so, it was so overplayed on the radio, but I did not care. I loved that our local Seattle station, Cube 93, which I think doesn't exist anymore, which is a damn shame, or maybe it's not, but it would play it every five songs for that, like full, you know, like four months. And I was so happy every time it came on. That's a great uh, station name, Cube 93. Yeah. I think it's like something stupid like Power now. Which is much worse. Yeah, come on. Cube is unique. I know. All right, what's your number four? My number four is... Well, I had a hard time picking on this one. This one is more... I broke my own rule. This is more of like a song choice. Um, I'm going to go with Wood by Alice in Chains from their Unplugged special on MTV, which came out in July of 96. Oh. Um, This is... Alice in Chains is one of my favorite bands... This was one of their last performances with Lane Staley before he, um, his heroin addiction took him to the point where he could not perform anymore. Uh, um, and they basically did this when he, he was already in bad shape. Like if you watch this concert, you could tell, I mean, it's a struggle for him to get through it, but he, he just kills it in this performance. Like he knocks it out of the park. Um, and his, it, 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 all their songs had this quality to me that I don't know. Sometimes I, I question it myself. Like, do I like them so much and do they speak to me so much because I know that, like, how it turned out for Lane Staley? I know he was struggling with addiction at the time. I know that he eventually succumbed to it. I know that, you know, from interviews and things like how bad it was for him. Like, mm-hmm. is that adding to the quality and the emotional quality of these songs, or is it just because they're so good? And, and I usually end up, it's a combination of course, but I feel like it's because the songs are so good. Right. And this performance, whenever I watch it, like sometimes I'll just sit and watch this whole set or I'll, I was listening to it this week and it just, they weren't the best, they weren't the best versions of the songs that they've ever done. Like, I've, you know, the album versions are great. I've heard other good versions, but something about this, that set and just all the circumstances around it just always have gotten to me. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, like it is, it has that kind of like emotional punch and you can't like necessarily separate that from the song itself. Right. But that's kind of what I feel like a little bit like that's what this list is about too. I mean, that is the spine tingly moment for you. Mm hmm. It's hearing him and watching him sing and he does a good, like, even though physically, I mean, he was skin and bones. Like, right. you know, he couldn't have been as strong as he ever was, but he still just gave everything he had. Like, and it just, it didn't, it wasn't like, oh, he's in that bad of shape, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was, it was impressive. Like, it was just, he was one of my favorite vocalists. And it's, it's still, it just always gets to me. Yeah. My uh, number four is the chorus of I and Love and You by the Aved Brothers, which if you are not familiar with the song, it is the song that goes, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, take me in. Are you aware of the shape I'm in? And then continues after that. So if you haven't heard that song, it's like got this perfect like 
just kind of folksy, emotional punch that I think particularly like maybe resonates with me too because of like having moved around a little bit. But uh, it's, yeah, it's like, hmm, it's that kind of chorus. I don't know that song, but I I want to, I, I've heard of that group and oh, I want to check it out because I think like I've heard, I may have just heard like snippets of it and I, and I like it. Yeah, you've got to, like, I think Ma- the song came out probably two or three years ago, uh, but Maggie heard it for the first time maybe like three or four months ago, and I had it just on a CD in the car, and I think she said she played it, like, consecutively in the car, like, five or six times, and it's about a five-minute song, so it's like it was her entire commute. She just, and I do this too, but she just hit, like, repeat because there is something about, like, the way that... I mean, the whole song is great, but the way that chorus hits on that is, like, perfect. I love that. That's, that's. I mean, that's what my next song... I don't want to cut you off if you had more to say about that, but my number three also has that quality to me. Oh, no, keep going. So, my number three is the song that inspired us... Or inspired me to bring up This Is An Idea. Um, it's Body of Work by Lupe Fiasco. Yeah. Um, from Tetsuo and, Tetsuo and Youth, which came out in January 2015. And the reason that this song, I was listening to it back-to-back like you were just talking about. Um, it's a combination of things. I think the production of that song is impressive in its own right. I think he, Lupe has, he's a special talent when it comes to rap. Like, he can do a lot of different things. He can rap in many different ways. He has varieties of style when it comes to his lyrics, but his flow on the song is really just, it really gets like, I really identify with the way he's his lyrics in the song and his style of presenting it. And then there's a really good baseline as well, but the real capper on this, there's like a minute long saxophone solo towards the end of the song um, which is played by Terrace Martin, who also helped him produce a lot of this album. Nice. And it is, like, saxophone has a way of standing out in a song because it's just got that, you know, it's just got that style to it where, like, if you like it, if it, if it appeals to your ear, you're, you're just going to be, you're going to gravitate towards it. But this one in particular is amazing. I can't really, it's hard to describe why. If you want to listen to it, check it out. Wait for that sax solo and just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's just great. It's amazing. No, the sax is an instrument that is meant to be soloed. Like you don't play it underneath things. It is like front and center. Exactly. All right, I'm gonna have to listen to that myself because I—I don't—I know I've heard that song before, but I'm not very familiar with really anything Lupe has put out in the last like five or six years. Even though I know there's good stuff in there, I just like have not ca- caught up. That whole album is great. I highly recommend that album. Alright, I gotta listen to that then. My number three is the beginning of Buggin' Out by A Tribe Called Quest. I just love the way Fife Dog kicks in with microphone check. One, two, what is this? The Five Foot Assassin with the Roughneck Business. Oh yeah. Talks about cavities. Talks about gravity. It's just like, it's it's those kind of like if I'm writing rap lyrics now that I try to think about, like, what is... It's not enough to write, like, a clever line or, you know, have a really good, like, rhyming sequence, but it's, like, what is... How, 
like the actual lyrics that you are saying, how do they like punch right out the gate? And that is like the perfect example of a hip hop song that just comes right out and everybody is just like, yes, this is this song. That's the same song where he says he's never he never half steps because he's not a half stepper, drinks a lot of soda, so they call him Dr. Pepper. Yes, it is a perfect verse. Yep. He like, was the man. It's the perfect verse that like you know, isn't like a story song or anything like that. It like essentially doesn't say anything. I mean it's just like a boast verse, but it's it's the perfect boast verse. But he had the he had his skill. Q tip is a uh, I don't wanna say it. I mean, I was gonna say Q tip is a better rapper, technically, but I can't even say that. They're just different. But what his skill was, Five Dog, he could do both. Like, they they would do story songs. And Q-Tip would do more, I think, on that front than Five Dog would. But right. they could do either. Like, they could do either and they could make them sound good. And they had memorable lyrics. Like, I'm not one to... Like, it's hard for me to rattle off things like that. But I could name more Tribe Called Quest lyrics than any other band, probably. Oh, for sure. Even considering that they don't have, like, even all that many albums. Right. But yeah, no, I, I love that start to a song with the upright bass under it. It's just, uh Ron Carter on the yeah. bass. All right, what are we on? Are you on your number two? Yeah, my number two. What do you got? So my number two is Queens of the Stone Age, uh, Song for the Dead, and it's from the album Songs for the Death which came out in 20, 2002. Yeah. Um, this is another one where Queens of Stone Age is maybe my favorite band, and that album is their best album. And this song specifically, uh, the reason that I included it here, Dave Grohl plays the drums on this album for them. Oh, and okay. that, he's a machine. I mean, he's popular and he gets his due and he's made a lot of money, but he's almost still underrated to me. Because the fact that he could front a band as successful as Foo Fighters, he could play drums on an album as amazing as Songs for the Deaf, he could do a project like Probot where he took like 10 or 12 different seminal heavy metal frontmen from the 80s and played guitar, bass, and drums and had them all sing a song. He's just unbelievable to me, like the things that he's done. Um, and this song specifically, he has a drum solo um, at the end of the song, which leads into this stop start, like false finish that they do like three or four times. And it is, it's just a pile driver. It's not heavy metal, but it's one of the heaviest songs that I can think of. And I listen to some weird stuff and this yeah. is just, it's an amazing album and an amazing song. And that his drums on that plus Mark Lanigan from screaming trees, which is a, a Seattle band. Mm -hmm. He sings the lead vocal on the song and he, does an amazing job so josh home doesn't even sing on it he just plays guitar and it's still like my favorite song by that band huh i didn't realize i mean i i'm somewhat familiar with queens of the stone age uh, i definitely have a couple of their albums but yeah i didn't even realize he sung on that yeah he does he does like three songs three or four songs on that album and then um he's always collaborated with them but when he when he hits when he comes in on a song he, he brings this special quality meshes so well with them Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, my number two is the chorus of Seasons by Future Islands. This, I feel like, I, I forget what the guy's name is, who's the actual lead singer of Future Islands, but he comes in just so, like, 
almost hilariously emotional, but it's also very clearly like pretty earnest and it's just perfect. Uh, and I like that song a lot and perhaps because I only became familiar with that song about six months ago, even though I know it came out like two or three years ago. I just like I just turned out to like really like it a lot and it was one of those songs that I put on repeat a few times but I think when the chorus kicks in with him just like shouting and it's like such an emotional performance if you haven't seen the future islands do this song on Letterman from when the album came out do yourself a favor and watch that YouTube video but yeah that is it's just that's where the song like really kicks in for me and I'm a big fan of it I almost had that on mine too because I love that song and that performance and my favorite thing about that is uh, other than of course like that whole performance is great but then when Letterman comes over to talk to me he's like I'll take all that you got like you yeah. loved it <laughs> that's a great way to put it too it is and you could and I like that's why I always liked him because he would he had those reactions to such a weird variety of bands like he liked a lot of different kinds of music and and I always respected that about him but that song is amazing yeah all right it's the moment of truth. What's your number one? My number one, which is, I think, going to surprise you, but, oh, well, maybe not. It's Outcast. It's Stankonia, Stank Love, the title track from Stankonia. Wow. From October 2000, and it's a, it's not Andre 3000, and it's not Big Boy. It's Sleepy Brown's verse, which is, if you remember that song, it's the closing song, track 24, on that massive masterpiece of hip-hop and he has the second verse and it's this he sings because he's not a rapper and mm -hmm. the way that he he delivered that verse and he caps it off with this extended note um and it's just combined with like that's the production of that song is just everything about that song is perfection to me like i could listen to it a thousand times in a row and never get sick of it and and I found out when I was reading about this, you know, to prepare for this, that he actually wrote Waterfalls by TLC, which I never knew. What? The guy who did that verse wrote Waterfalls. He was in Organized Noise who produced that album. <laughs> and I was like, that does, that's amazing. Like, he wrote Waterfalls. He produced Stankonia. This is a guy that, like, probably no one, if I said, do you know Sleepy Brown? Unless you're, like, a hardcore hip-hop fan, you're going to go, what? And this dude was behind... That album and Waterfalls, which is a massive hit. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that he's behind Waterfalls. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Okay, I'm going to have to revisit that because I like vaguely know what you're talking about, but can't really think of it right now. Just l go listen to it after this. You're going to... I mean, it's, it's amazing. All right. My number one is also a hip-hop song. It is from the album Game Theory by The Roots which is far and away my favorite Roots album. Not everybody agrees with this. Some people say things fall apart. Um, well, a lot of people say that. Some people might say phrenology or who knows what else. But Game theory. For me, it's game theory. It is definitely game theory. You're crazy if you don't think it's game theory. Yeah. And the moment that makes that album... Well, there are a bunch of moments that make that album for me. But the one that like really like two-thirds into the album, once I heard this song and this line, which is repeated, I think, by two or... It's repeated two or three times throughout the song uh, by different rappers, and it's making something out of nothing because everybody's 50 cents away from a quarter where I come from. 
and it's from the song Long Time, which is track nine, I believe. Um, That's a great song. Game Theory. Perfect song. I just feel like I was just, I think I was driving around Seattle when I was listening to it. And I don't know why I would have been in Seattle at that point, I guess, but I was. And uh, it just, like, with the guitar line of that and that, like, kind of, because it's not part of the chorus, but it's, like, it's it's just, like, it's uh, in each verse is something that kind of, like, ties it together. And it's just perfect. And so that's, like, that's what made that song for me. Uh, I think it's, if it's not my favorite song on the album, it's close. And it's, like, what really made that album for me. I think that album, like, resonates more for me than any other Roots album. And is like, makes that album, like, one of my top three or five hip-hop albums. That is, that's an excellent choice. Do you know if they played, didn't we see them at DePaul? Yep. Did they and play that? Yes. Oh. They, uh, so that was, like, 2007. Um, which was also cool because Lupe Fiasco showed up for a few songs. Yeah. Uh, at DePaul. When that was an amazing concert, yeah, for a lot of reasons I love that. But that, uh, no, that that's my number one spine tingly moment. Because whenever I hear that line as it drives the song forward with the like cool guitar lick, it's like that's perfect. I like that. I like our top choices. It's fitting that they're both hip hop and they're both very specific. Very specific. You got some honorable mentions. I do. Um, one of them is Devin Townsend has a song called Earth Day from his album uh, Terria in 2001. That's because the reason I had that almost on my list is it's a, I mean, it's a 10 minute song. So I, I, I kept it off cause I'm like, really, I just like that whole song and I'll, and I'll just listen to it over and over again. I didn't, I couldn't pinpoint one specific thing, but when he kicks in to the chorus from the, um, kind of like the intro, which is actually like three minutes long. Um, he he changes his delivery of his vocals, and he can do both like a heavy metal growl type singing and a very beautiful like clean vocal. And he switches, and it's just the production is so good, and it always um, sticks out to me. Also, Judas Priest, Dreamer, Deceiver, and Deceiver from Sad Wings of Destiny. It's a uh, back to back songs, but Rob Halford screams at the end of Dreamer Deceiver and he had this ability to hold a note so long that he holds it for like 20 seconds at the end of Dreamer Deceiver and it keeps it going into Deceiver and then Deceiver Dreamer Deceiver is more like a piano ballad and Deceiver is like a speed metal song and just when that happens I'm, I'm always like ready to run through a brick wall that's awesome um, yeah Florence and the Machine I, I had him on here as a close sixth place um no Light, No Light is a song from Ceremonials that she performed on SNL, and she also, um, she has this vibrato to her voice, and she does this really long note in that performance that gets me. And then Spiritual Beggars, who actually are a Swedish band, so shout out Sweden. Um, nice. Through the Halls. Through the Halls is a song they have that didn't quite make it on my list, but the vocals are just... It's a weird, they're a weird band. They're like a mix of heavy metal and the like gothic rock. And they almost sound like they come straight out of the mid seventies, but they're, you know, they're making music now. And there's just this weird atmosphere to the song and the guitar riff um, is great. So I, I wanted to include that. They have a, like a Hammond organ player too. So nice. it's a, it's a interesting band. All right. Some of mine I've got, I like the introduction. It's kind of like a, this like flute that like, 
Um, it's almost like a pan flute. I don't know exactly what it is, but it like trails up and then back down. And it's the introduction to the song Daylight by Aesop Rock. It like starts with this pan flute and then it goes into like a sample of, or maybe it's him, uh, of saying, yes, yes, y'all. So and that's by far my favorite Aesop Rock song. So that one is like a good moment, uh, like intro to a song. I really like the bridge of Fred Jones Part 2 by Ben Folds. Which uh, also brings in the lead singer from Cake for Ooh. a sudden like guest performance. That's uh, cool. I love the introduction to Pennies by the Cool Kids, and it, it's oh. maybe worn off over time. But like, calm telling y'all how we did it like Derrick Rose, and it's like, yeah, that is great. Isn't that the same one where um, uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Bun B does a verse? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like the, the Pennies Reloaded version has Bun B and Ludacris. That's the one where Bun B rhymes, um, he does some kind of rhyme with Irvin Johnson. Yes. <laughs> it's like a fake rhyme, but it's great. Uh, I like, okay, this is the one that I kicked off my list, which I felt bad about, but it's the, it's him saying, oi, and then this drum beat kicks in, and then the drum beat has a woo sound in it, and it's the first five seconds of Fix Up, Look Sharp by Dizzy Rascal. And I think that is just like a hot start to a song. That is, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I, I can see why you replaced it with what you did end up putting at five, but that is a really good, that's a good moment in a song too. Yeah, uh, I like the song, when the drum kicks in halfway through the song of Everything Means Nothing to Me by Elliot Smith. Like it's a really repetitive song where he kind of repeats that same line like a million times. Then it just, like, suddenly the drive of the song kicks in right there. So if you haven't heard it, it's not a very long song. It's, like, two minutes. But check out the one-minute mark of that. I also like the just the first piano hit, and really all the piano hits of Jurassic Finish First by Jurassic 5. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the Lupe... Lupe has a lot of moments like this, but one that I kind of really liked, and this is finishing off my honorable mentions, is... The low voices kicking into the snare drums and then into the full drums of Little Weapon, which is on his second album, I believe, The Cool. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's like a really impactful song, too. Yeah. But He's yeah. got a flair for that. Him and whoever produces most of his stuff has a flair for that. Oh, my God. A really good production. And, like, interesting production. Yeah, I think it's not, that's the it's key. not cookie yeah. cutter. Right. But, uh, yeah, if you have top five moments of songs that you enjoy, those spine-tingling moments, uh, please let us know. You can hit us up on our Twitter, that's at Whiskey Sessions, or email us at whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. And we'll read those emails, because we're going to read those emails right now. Let's get to them. These are our emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails, and now we'll read them. All right, B-Pamp, what do you got in the old email inbox? We got another message from our old friend, Hawkwolf630. Oh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, but we got an interesting one. Um, he says, sup, whiskey dudes. Yep. I wanted to make sure I got in on this email run, but I couldn't think of anything too funny, so I decided to forward you the online confirmation for my last pizza order a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> looking, looking forward to your thoughts about it. 
Then he includes a quote, it's a nice strawberry beer. It's okay. It's a nice and, strawberry beer. <laughs> yep, it's okay. But his order is from Lou Malnati's in Bloomingdale. Good pick. Lou Malnati's is better than Giordano's. I don't care what anybody's wife says. <laughs> and he's a, he's he must be a local boy because that's that's around our neck of the woods. Uh-huh. Um, so he got a large deep dish cheese pizza with pepperoni and sausage. Whoa, that's and it's got big. A just right cut. Is that something? I don't know. I'm not familiar with their parlance. So what does that mean? I don't know what that means either. Actually, just right much, cut. Just right, maybe like some kind of sauce or cheese level that they give you an option on. I'm not sure, huh. but either way, that's an excellent pizza order, Hog Wolf. So that's, that's a great pizza order. Maybe that's like the secret menu. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with In and Out, the burger chain around here. Like animal style. Yeah, they have like their secret. Maybe Just Right is a secret menu item for Lou Malnati. I don't know what that is. Hawk Wolf, you're holding out on us. Let us know your tricks. Yes. Uh, all right, I have an email. Let's see here. What's up, guys? Loved hearing about your favorite sketch shows, but I heard nothing, nothing about Little Britain. How could you overlook the genius of that show? And that's from Wellesley of Colchester, England. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay, I thought about Little Britain, and I've seen a couple episodes, and I know it was popular enough that they even did a Little Britain USA, which is absurd. On HBO. Yeah, but I... Tell me this. At some point, and we talked about this on the episode, but, like, if your whole show is (laughs) cross-dressing... Like, it's not... Like, that on its own is not funny. And I think we just have to agree as a society that you got to give us more than just men dressing as women. You can cross-dress if then you're bringing some, you know, some comedy gold right. with it. No, that's what I'm saying. Cross-dress as much as you want. But you got to have, you got to bring the funny with it. Because yeah. we've seen it so many times in comedy sketch groups that are like male-dominated anyway. So there's going to be a lot of guys playing women that you got you to gotta bring up more. And it's not just like doing a funny voice on top of it. So that's why anymore. that's why I didn't consider Little Britain. I didn't either. I've seen episodes and it was kind of funny, but I did, it didn't make my list. Yeah, and really the British in general need to get a little more off that comedy train. Is why do the British have like both the most sophisticated and least sophisticated senses of humor? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. We got to figure that out. Yeah. All right, if you have an email you want to send to us, you know where to hit us up. That's whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com, which is confusing, I suppose, because we don't do all that much music <laughs> relative to our other outputs. But that this is, is all music, baby. Yeah, this is all music. So that's hit us up at that email address, and we will read your email. That way we don't have to necessarily just read online pizza orders. <laughs> Not that we don't like that. I think we're figuring out new secret items from Lou Malati's. Yep. But all right, that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the flippy flop. This is Amets. Um, Happy Yeah, and peace out. Later.